Okay, we are in, in uh, Genesis chapter 31. Genesis chapter 31, and what we had read last time was we had read about um, uh, Laban, Laban uh, uh, Jacob's father-in-law, is, is, uh, was real upset with him, and, um, uh, and, and uh, Jacob feels that he has to leave because he's, he's worried about his father-in-law hurting him or something. And so he, he's about to leave. And we saw last time how his marriage formerly had really been, been a real mess, and now his wives were 100% behind him. And so we saw how, you know, when you stick it through in marriage and you get through the rough times, things get better. So we're going to start picking it up from verse 17, <clears throat> verse 17 of Genesis chapter 31. Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wives upon camels, and he drove away all his livestock and all his property which he had gathered, <clears throat> his acquired livestock which he had gathered in Paddan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and he crossed the Euphrates River, and he set his face toward the country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him, and he pursued him a distance of seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country and Laban with his, kin, with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with song, with timbrel and with lyre. And I did not allow, and, and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. Now you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob replied to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. The one with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Okay, so Jacob... He packs up everything. He has, we know of, of 11, uh, 11 sons so far. The only one who's not yet born is Benjamin and one daughter, Dinah. So he has 12 children that he, he's putting on camels. Now, there may be more daughters because remember in, in Genesis 37, 35, it mentions other daughters. But at this point, the only one that's mentioned is Dinah. And the reason she's the only one that's mentioned among the daughters by name is because of an incident that will occur with her later on. But he, so he puts all his kids on these camels, 
and they and his wives, so he's got the four wives, and they head out, and he's packing up all his stuff, because you remember in chapter 30, verse 43, it says, So the man became exceedingly prosperous, and he had large flocks, and female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So he had camels, donkeys, male and female servants, so he became a very wealthy man in a six-year period, which can happen. I've known people that get very wealthy over just a few years period, period. <clears throat> go from nothing to, to plenty. So he packs up, and it says it says that he he uh, um, uh, in verse nineteen that when Laban had gone out to shear his sheep, Laban, uh, Rachel snuck into the town where where he was, snuck into his home, and stole his household gods. These are actually household idols. So Laban was an idol worshiper. He acknowledged Jehovah. He didn't worship him. He acknowledged him along with many other gods. Now, Rachel went and took his gods, never told Jacob about that. He would have had a very different word about that had he known. And she went and she took those. And so remember, Rachel is, is, is uh, uh, sort of a conniver like her father. And it says, Jacob deceived Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he was fleeing. That word deceive is actually a pretty strong word. It's really stole the heart of, or he tricked him. He didn't tell him he was leaving. And we later on down, we see why he didn't tell him. He thought he would stop him. He thought Laban would stop him. The last time he had tried to leave six years earlier, Laban says, oh, no, 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 don't go, don't go. And so we are going to see in this very same chapter that Laban actually had no intent of just rejoicing with him on his way out. No intent of that. And so, so Jacob's suspicion was really quite well-founded. And also God had commanded him in in chapter 31, verse 3, and in chapter 31, verse 13, he had commanded twice, Jacob, leave, just go. God had commanded him. So he was doing exactly as he had been instructed by God. And he flees and he goes to, he gets to the hill country of Gilead. It says that in verse 21, he set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. The hill country of Gilead is just on the Transjordan. It's just on the other side of the Jordan River. It's before you get into the land of Canaan. It's on the opposite side of, of, of the Jordan River. And he thought that that distance he'd be safe. And he had to move as quick as he could, but he couldn't move as fast as, as, as people who aren't bringing their families with them and their, 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 uh, um, their, uh, all of these animals and everything. So then it says in verse 22... When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled. Why on the third day was it told? Because you remember from chapter 30, verse 36, that it was Laban himself who put himself three days' journey away from Jacob's area. So there was an intentional distance that Laban had set between him and Jacob. So it took three days to get the message to Laban that, hey, your son-in-law and your daughters, they're all gone. So he's... This is three days later he gets this message. So he has to traverse three days behind, then make up that three days distance, and then catch up. And so it takes him a, t- a total of seven days when she hears to catch up. And he catches him in the hill country of Gilead. Uh, late, uh, Jacob thought he'd be safe by that point, uh, but he wasn't. And it says that, that he caught up with his kinsmen. And his intent was to do him harm. Laban's intent was to do harm to Jacob, and, uh, and, and we'll see that. But he comes with deceit. He says, why have you done this? So it says, in, in, but in verse 24, something really interesting happens. It says, God met, 
God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. This is exactly what happened with Abimelech in chapter 20, verse 13. That God speaks to a pagan in a dream concerning something of the children of Israel. God speaks to a pagan in a dream saying, don't you mess with this guy. God speaks to him. He says, you don't go and speak anything good or bad. So in other words, I'm not requiring you to go and to say things that you don't particularly feel. You don't have to give some false flattery. But don't you say a bad word either. And this is a good lesson for us. This is really a good lesson. We had seen those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Those who even disesteem you, I will harm. God said to to Abraham. And we see that pattern throughout the scriptures. And I've told you before, I'll tell you again. If you have a case against the Israelites, if you have a case against the Jewish people, just don't say it. You don't don't speak good or bad. If you don't want to say something good, you don't have to say it. But don't speak evil of them. Now, you don't have to do it. You can do all you want. Just speak all the evil you want about the people of Israel, if you like. But I'm just telling you that it's not going to go well for you. It just will not go well. And I've seen in my lifetime those who have said evil things about Israel. Things have not gone well for them. You see the same pattern. Just recently, a man asked me, we were talking and... and, uh, he was the pastor of a church. He said, do you ever get really frustrated with the church that, you, you know, you instruct them and here you teach them and everything? You just wonder, do they, have they ever, do they ever really connect? Do they come along? And all I could do was think back about this verse that, that it says, be careful, do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. And I just said to him, and I, and I said, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak badly of the body of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. I'm not going to speak badly of the body of Christ. I said, you know, so many times, you know, I instruct them, but I've had, I've had a lot of advantage over many of them. And my advantage was that, that I moved into a discipleship program when I, was, when I was 19 years old. And I lived the last two years of my college in a discipleship program for men who really loved the Lord and taught us how to pray, taught us how to read the scriptures, taught us how... I said, most of these people haven't had much instruction. And so, so uh, I can't come against them like that. And I really mean that. You can't, you can't expect your child to be a concert violinist if you don't give them violin lessons. And so, so, the, 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 so th- this word that don't speak about something that's of value to God, either good or bad. You don't have to false praise, but don't speak evil things. In verse 25, Laban catches up with him. And Laban says, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Whoa. This is sort of an extrapolation. He didn't take away his daughters with the sword. His daughters had said just above that uh, in in verse 16, uh, let's do what God wants us to do. Let's go. His daughters were very willing to go. But he changes the, the whole narrative here. He says, you've taken them. Now, they are his wives, and, uh, uh, and, and they wanted to go. But the father paints it as if, as if uh, he took them. And the other thing about this is, if Jacob were really discontent in his marriage, he might have said, okay, take them. <laughs> They're yours, take them back. You know, I don't want them. No, I mean, he understood what marriage was, and he was going to keep this thing together. He worked hard to keep it together. Then he says, 
He says, why did you flee secretly and deceive me? Well, he fled because God told him to flee. God told him to do this. And he says, I would have sent you away with joy, with song and timbrel. Oh, please. You were not going to send him away and have a big party for him. No way were you going to do that. Uh, uh, God has taken from you all your flocks have died off and Jacob's have just exploded. And, 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 and your sons are even saying that you've taken everything from him. You were not going to see him off joyfully. So there's all this lying going on. So if you ever think that people are lying against you, just remember, it's not unusual in life. This is back in the book of Genesis. It's been happen, happening for a long time. <clears throat> and uh, then he says to this, in verse 29, he says, Laban says, it is in my power to do you harm. Who says that? Who says, you know... It's in my power to do you harm. If you didn't have this God looking out for you, you know, who says that? I mean, this guy is, is really messed up. And, and uh, he knows he can't touch him because God really warned him. But now you see the real intent of Laban. It was to do Jacob harm. Jacob knew exactly what this man intended to do to him. And he comes with this false pretense. And... Uh, uh, he said, you've gone away. And he says, I know you wanted to see your father's house. But uh, um, he says in, in verse, verse 30, why did you steal my gods? And Jacob has no idea that Rachel has taken the household idols. And the household idols may have been for, because she wanted to worship them. Maybe she was indeed an idol worshiper. Other scholars say, no, she was not an idol worshiper. But whoever had the household gods could make claim to the territory. So if Jacob had the household gods, he could come back and make claim to Laban's territory. That's what these scholars say. It's, in, it's, it's interesting, but Rachel, interestingly enough, is, not, is the only one of the patriarch's wives that is not buried with the patriarchs. For some reason, you know, God was intent on her not being with them. And so she may well have been an idol worshiper. We don't know for sure. Um, but he didn't know that. And he said in verse 32, the one with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So, you know, there's an interesting verse in Proverbs in Proverbs uh, 18, verse 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And that's why we have to be careful of the words we use. Shireen always reminds me, be careful of the words you use. She reminds the kids. So if you go around saying all the time, oh, I'm no good, oh, I'm just terrible, oh, you know, you start becoming like what your words are. If you tell your kids, you're terrific, I know you're going to succeed. They're going to do much better in life than if you tell them all the time that they're bad, they're evil, and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, I was just sitting with a guy when I was in, in uh, ministering out this week. There was one technical lecture that I was giving on, on this new, new way to make graphene and how to put it in a concrete. There was a guy who owns a concrete company. He flew from Delaware to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was lecturing, lecturing via Atlanta. And he got diverted to Knoxville because of... Because of um, uh, weather, then had to go to Atlanta, then get to Tulsa just to attend my talk. And his baggage got lost on the way and he rented the car and he got to the talk shortly before it started and I started talking to him. And he had flown all this way 
just to hear me give this lecture. And, and uh, I thought, you've got to meet my wife. You, you, you've just got to, you know, you've got to tell her how far you've traveled just to hear me. And what a lucky lady you are. Yes, you are. You are a lucky lady. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I got to talking with him and he said, I said, tell me your story. And he didn't know that I was, I was going to, you know, preach at him. And we got, we got talking a little bit. He had come from an Amish home and he'd rebelled against the Amish society and, and, uh, he had his own business and he was doing extremely well, a large concrete company. And if it, I've known other people who are in concrete. You can make a lot of money. And anyway, so, so um, he, he, we, we sat down afterward and I, I shared the gospel with him. And I told him how when I heard this, for, you know, how I was confronted with my sin. He says, oh, in the home that I grew up with, ten times a day I was told I was a sinner. You don't have to convince me of that. I mean, so here's a kid that was 10 times a day told how much of a sinner he was. And by the time he's in eighth grade, and all he had was an eighth grade education. And he rebelled and he left home at the, in, in eighth grade. And so, you know, the wor- words have enormous power. If you speak poorly of yourself, you're going to bring yourself down. He, here Jacob says, whoever has your gods shall not live. And Rachel is probably like, gulp, <laughs> you know, shall not live. And I wouldn't put it past Laban to take his own daughter's life. And, uh, um, and interestingly enough, concerning this, shortly after this, she's going to die in childbirth. She's in, birth, in the birth of, of Benjamin, she's going to die. So you've got to be careful the words that you speak over your children. Over your family members, speak positive words, speak things that are good, build them up, speak things good about yourself. Don't get in this habit of speaking poorly of yourself. You know, just say, I'm a child of God. If you've got nothing else to say, I'm a child of God, I'm saved, Jesus is my Lord, speak something, but don't speak these negative things about yourself. Anyway, so... He says to Laban, search through everything. Go ahead, search through it. And he searches. And, and then it says, let's start picking up in verse 33. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maids. And he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now, Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle. And she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but did not find them. She said to her father, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you for the manner of women is upon me. So he searched, but he did not find the household idols. So he searches everything and then he gets into her tent and she says, you know, uh, the manner of women is upon me. And so he, you know, he doesn't go poking around underneath her. And, uh, um, and so, so she had hid the idols in that way. But she was probably, <laughs> probably really terrified at this point. And that was a real close call. But Jacob knows nothing about this. So in verse 36, then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, what is my transgression? And what is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between two of us. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten 
the rams of your flock. That which was torn of beasts, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was by day, I was by day, the heat consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and he rendered judgment last night. Then Laban replied to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters, or to my or to their children, whom they have borne? So he's, he gets upset, naturally. And, um, you, you know, it, it's... It's never pleasant when the TSA opens your baggage and starts poking through it. But they're, they're poking through for a specific item. When you go overseas sometimes, and, and this happened to us when we were leaving Israel one day. I mean, they opened up everything. They opened up every little bottle, every little thing. And, and you know, you're just sitting there and it, it's just kind of, you're poking through everything. And then when they got done, somebody whispered in this person's ear and they went through it again. And so you feel kind of violated by all of this. Here his father-in-law has poked through everything, made these accusations, and he says, look, what have I done? I've served you these 20 years. I served 14 years for your two daughters, six years for your flocks. And he says, here's how you took care of me. He says that um, these 20 years I've been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. When I was taking care of your flock, they never miscarried. This is, this is the blessing of God. The blessing of God came upon, upon uh, uh, Laban's flocks. Those who bless you, I will bless. They didn't miscarry. And then he says, he says I've not eaten the rams of your flock. Now, I, I read the Nuzi uh, uh, documents, the Nuzi documents and the Hammurabi documents, and you could see that a shepherd was allowed to eat the meat of the flock. But Laban was not allowing him to eat the meat of the flock. He had to get his own food. Laban was a hard boss. So if you have a boss that's kind of hard... It's been happening since the time of the book of Genesis. You are not alone. And he says, he says, I, I, I haven't taken of your rams. Verse 39, that which was torn of beasts, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. If you could prove that one of the flock was torn and you bring, brought this torn uh, carcass, you could say, look, you know, uh, uh, some wild animal has taken this. Some fox came and, and took this one among, among the flock. And that's what you had to do. But he said, I had to bear that loss myself because you wouldn't accept it that I'm bringing this to you. This was a hard boss that he was working for these 20 years. So again, you cry out to the Lord. The Lord sees this. The Lord intercedes. So um, in, in verse 40, then he says, he says, you know, the heat consumed me by day, the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. I don't know if you've ever gone camping and you've been cold. I mean, really cold and you haven't been able to sleep. Has that ever happened to anyone? Yeah, yeah. It's a mess. I hate camping out. My, my idea of camping out is to, you know, fire up the grill in the backyard and then go in and eat and go upstairs and go to bed. That's camping out for me. 
I, I just don't like it. I mean, I remember in college camping out, and it just got so cold. I wasn't prepared for it, and I was freezing, and I was just up at night walking around just trying to stay warm, and, and it was terrible. And there was another guy there. He was, he was from Lebanon, and he was walking around too. Same thing had happened to him. And it, it's miserable being out there. He says, the cold kept me up at night. Plus, I had to watch out for these flocks because if, if, if some animal came and took one among the flock, I'm going to be responsible for this. He says, the heat beat me up by day, the, 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 uh, the, the cold by night. And he says, I endured all of this for 20 years. And then he says, he says to him, in, uh, in, he says also in verse 41, you've changed the wages on me 10 times. And we saw that last week, how we would change the wages on him over and over again. He would change the wages on him. It's like you negotiate a contract and then the next day. And I learned this when I started having companies. It's terrible. Salespeople. I mean, salespeople, you, you negotiate a deal and then, you know, you'll get this much and they and then the next day, they're back in your office wanting more. Didn't we just talk about that? Yeah, but now I'm doing this. I mean, that's why I have nothing to do with the companies anymore. Just just send me the check in the mail. I'm not an officer. I'm not a director. I'll go back to the university where if a student complains about their salary, it's like, goodbye. I mean, you all get paid the same. I mean, this is, this is like a dictatorship. That's it. I mean, it's very easy in the university. And... Uh, um, but, but it's terrible in business. And this guy was changing the wages on him ten times. And, uh, and then he says, if God hadn't looked out for me, I'd have been in real trouble. He says in verse 42, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and so he has rendered judgment last night. The last night was when God had spoken to Laban, saying, don't touch him. Don't, don't even speak a word against him. This is a good lesson for us. Many times we're in situations where we have bosses that aren't that great. We have situations that aren't that good. And just remember, God sees if we walk in a God-fearing manner, and even though we're getting beat up by things, that... that uh, uh, God sees, God protects. Now, I'm not talking about if you're being sexually abused in the situation. No, that's very different. Go straight to the HR office and report that. Just, just uh, uh, no mercy on that. Just go straight to the HR office and, let, and, and get that thing reported. But if you're in a job where, where, where things are, are difficult and everything, just remember, God sees. God sees and he looks at our attitude. Now, verse 43 is really revealing. Verse 43 Then Laban replied to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. Huh? Everything, all those flocks, that's all mine. Everything you see, your camels, your donkeys, that's mine, Laban says. Those four wives, that's all mine. All your children, that's mine. That's what Laban really thought. That's what he really thought. And that's why in verse 31, in in chapter 31, verse 1, it said, When Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and that belonged to him and belonged to our fathers and has made made all his wealth from that. Where did his sons hear that? They heard that from Laban. You've got to be careful about the junk you, you speak around your children because your children will pick it up really quickly. And uh, this was Laban's real heart. Laban considered everything that was there his. And surely, 
Had God not defended Jacob, had God not spoken to Laban that night and interceded, Jacob would have lost everything at the hands of these men that had, been, had come out with, with, with Laban. That's what he really thought. And this reminds me of a verse. I want to turn to, to John, the book of John, chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we're going to read from verse 9. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And I will go in and out and, and, and will go and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that he may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This picture that Jesus builds is amazing. Look at how he describes the enemy. Look at how he describes the enemy of our soul. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. His pure intent upon your life is to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. That's ultimately what he wants to do. And he will come like Laban and say, oh, I just wanted to have a party for you and send you off with timbrels and with dancing. I just wanted to hug you and kiss you and kiss my children. That's all I wanted to do. Oh, you're really pretty nice. No, Jesus said the enemy's intent is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is the intent of the devil. And he does not rest until he's stolen our lives from us, till he's killed us, till he's destroyed us, till he's taken everything we have. That is his intent. His intent is to destroy your job. His intent is to destroy your life. His intent is to destroy your marriage, your kids, take them from you. His intent is to do all of this. That's his intent. You know, sometimes I talk to people about all the blessings that can come if they will follow the Lord. All the blessings that can come if they seek Jesus. And, and uh, the blessings that they come on their career. And they'll say, no, I want to do this myself. I just want to do it myself. And I'm thinking, you don't know what kind of taskmaster the world is. You have no idea what it's like laboring for the enemy. Because he's going to make you think that this is going to be all for your good. And he's going to turn this thing around. And because his intent, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Laban's intent came out after all of this. He says, everything you see here is mine, Laban says. These women, that's, that's not your wives. Those are my daughters. They're mine. The children you've had, they're mine. The flocks you have, they're mine. Everything you have is mine. That's the way the devil looks at us. If you don't know Jesus, that's whom you serve. That's the one that you serve. Make you feel good for a while. Make you feel like... Everything's okay, but he will turn on you and destroy your life. And he will work to destroy your life. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. There is salvation in the name of Jesus and in the name of Jesus only. I beg you, come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus. Please come to Jesus this day. It says that... that 
you, and you will go in, in and out and find pasture. Meaning, I, I will take care of you. I will pasture you. I will take care of your marriage. I'll take care of your kids. You seek me. I will take care of things. That doesn't mean that you don't have troubles at times. Troubles come. But Jesus says, I will protect you. He says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his true intent, is to destroy your life, to really make your life miserable. He intends, that's his, his, his basic intent is to do that. It doesn't come out till the end. We didn't hear this from Laban until the end. It doesn't come out till the end. When everything is gone, it's like, the devil took everything. He took my life. He took my marriage. He took my kids. He took my job. I thought I could just sleep around with this secretary and nobody would know. Nope, that was of the devil. And it was found out and you lost everything. You lost everything. In the book of Proverbs, it says to the man who does this, he says he does not know it will cost him his very life. The man who goes with an adulteress, it doesn't, he doesn't realize it will cost him his every life, his very life. All his hard-earned goods, it says, will go to the house of a foreigner. He will lose everything. And I have seen men, Christian men, fall into adultery and they lose everything. They lose a precious wife. They, their kids are upset with them. And, and uh, they end up losing their job because of the sexual harassment that went on in these things. It is a mess. It is a mess. And Jesus warns us, the thief comes only to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he says, he contrasts this, he says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, abundantly. I've got so much good for you. I've got so much good for you. Take my word, meditate on this word, and it's going to be so good. And he says, remember, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's exactly what Jesus did. He laid down his life for us. That's what he demonstrated. Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us by dying for us. I beg you today, if you do not know Jesus, come to him today. If you know him and you're walking in rebellion, I just warn you what the devil is going to do to your life. He's going to destroy it. And I urge you this day to learn from this, that, that be careful with your words. Don't tear down with your words. Don't tear down others with your words. And don't tear yourself down with your words because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your mercies. And Lord, I pray for the lost here today, those who do not know you, but are, as the scriptures say, enslaved to the devil, the very one who seeks to come and steal, kill, and destroy. Father, draw them to Jesus today, the good shepherd, so that they would be saved. Oh, Father, draw them to Jesus, I pray. And Lord, for those here that know you, I pray, Lord, that they would not speak against the church, the body of Christ, or against the Jewish people. They would not speak a bad word about them. Not speak a bad word about the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you teach them to guard their words, to build up and not destroy, because life 
is in the power of the tongue, as is death. Father, I pray that you would watch over them. Father, guide them in your ways. Lord, I pray that you would protect relationships here, protect marriages, build them up good and strong. Lord, your mercies be there, I pray, for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen.